Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of Podular Modcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Recovery Effects and AI Synthesis. And uh, something weird happened, guys. I made uh, a scary, fuzzy doom patch. <laughs> so I've got uh, I've got the Make Noise STO. I'm bringing the wave the wave shapey output into the Bad Comrade, and I'm running a Woggle Bug into Ornament and Crime. And then into the one volt per octave, uh, and then I'm I'm controlling the CV of the uh, the bad comrade with the same stepped out, output from the woggle bug that's controlling the uh, the one volt per octave. So it will kind of change at the same time. And then just for a little uh, peppering, I put it into the dual looping delay from 4MS. So here's that. So you can hear that modulation happen with the, the CV in uh, every time the note changes in the sequence. And then I took the sub out from that and I ran it in the, uh, the OTA voltage controlled filter from AI Synthesis. And then I put that into the Digitank from uh, IntelliGel, the simple digital reverb just to add some color. So let's bring that into the mix. Sorry for the fuzzy knob. I'm working on a new mixer right now. So, Actually, working on a new mixer from AI Synthesis because the one that I have is messed up. I don't want to say what brand it is because I like the brand. It's not their fault. Um, and then just for good measure, I took the, uh, the sign output from the STO and I brought it into the cutting room floor and I am modulating the CV in on that from the math. So let's bring that into the mix. so much fun to make doom metal remember go to aisynthesis.com and recoveryeffects.com and uh Take some videos of your modules and uh, take us all. Let, let them know that I sent you uh, their way. And yeah, I want to hear what you guys can do with these things. some fun stuff to talk about right off the bat um at the end of october there there will be two events back to back uh that i will be at and i think you guys should check out uh the first one is um it's thrown by the modular on the spot seattle guys once fall and winter hits here in the pacific northwest it's pretty hard to have outdoor concerts so uh they have like a modular on the spot adjacent concert series called modular nights um, and I will be performing along with uh, David Sia, Infidel Tech, Rika, Dark Side of the Tune, The Animals at Night, who you hear below me on this awesome theme song, uh, Cryptomeria, uh, 
Infradead. Oh, that's a fun name. Uh, Aphrodite Psara. Sara. I hope I said that right. P-S-A-R-R-A. Um, and visuals will be done by Torin Kovac or Kovac. I, you know, names. They're, they're a thing. Um, so that's October 27th from 4 to 7.30 p.m. So it's kind of an early early in the day show, which I kind of like that. Um, and it is at Substation in Ballard. So uh, if you guys want to come check out a, a really, really fun night of modular and... Well, the one thing that is different about modular nights is kind of clever because... Um, to be true to the modular on the spot format, it's all modular, all outdoors. But like I said, with Pacific Northwest, can't really do that. So the modular nights thing, they kind of open up the format a little bit. You know, it should be centered around modular, but if you have some electron boxes or a guitar or something, uh, bring that along. So I'm going to bring my guitar along, hopefully. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, the second event I want to talk about is uh, Patchworks Presents Knobs and Shit. <laughs> Now, I didn't just cuss. That is spelled K-N-O-B-S-E-N-S-C-H-I-T-T. Um, and that's October 28th, uh, 1 to 6 p.m. at the Melrose Market Studios uh, on Capitol Hill here in Seattle. I'm going to have a table. Abe from AI is going to be there. Um, I'm thinking I'm going to have my little portable recorder, and maybe you guys could stop by my booth. Give me an adjective and noun suggestion. Uh, give me 15 minutes and I can come back and, and play it. I don't know. Let's let's interact. Let's have some fun. Uh, it should be a pretty, pretty sweet time. Now, to be more clear about what exactly Knobs and Shit is, I'm going to read just a little bit from the, uh, the details section on the uh, Facebook event. Uh, an afternoon of exploration and networking with fellow synthesizer enthusiasts. Try out some vintage gear, check out the latest new products from leading manufacturers, and share ideas and techniques for creating exciting new sounds. Um, it's, it's super fun, super nerdy, uh, so come check it out. Once again, I want to just remind you guys that selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com has the cassettes for the Modular on the Spot Volume 1 and the Modular on the Spot EP1, um, which is just a collection of different performances over the last year and a half or so. Um, all proceeds go to funding the events because uh, Brad and Josh have to secure permits for our parks here, and uh, they bought a sound system together for it and tents and stuff. So it's uh, it's a labor of love that they're they're funding out of pocket. So th this cassette tape is kind of something that could. Uh, um, hopefully help them cover some of those costs. And this track that you hear below me is from that, uh, from volume one. It is Horse with One Leg. Um, yeah, so please go check that out among the other self-centered releases. I am actually working on getting together uh, a pod mod patch challenge release, uh, hopefully about 25 to 30 tracks, and I'm hoping to have that out in a few months, and that will be free download for any Patreon subscribers. So if you're a Patreon subscriber, thank you very much, and if you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. All right, super long intro, I know, we're, we're almost there. But um, Ben Divkid Wilson had a really good idea in getting you guys, the listeners, involved with the patch challenges. Um, and then a buddy of mine up here in Washington, a fellow modularite, uh, suggested I do... Ethan, by the way, thank you, Ethan, uh, suggested that I do a Facebook group where 
everybody can join and and put up their patches from from this week's episode so please go check that out pod mod patch challenge if you're not on facebook i totally get it uh instagram's way better they're just uh, hashtag pod mod patch challenge and uh tag us tag me and the guest in the uh in it because I, i think the guest would like to see your take on their patch as well um and i think i'm gonna I'm going to participate when I can, and I'm going to uh, play them on the show when I actually can participate. So, without further ado, from Sarah Bell Reed's episode, we got acidic earmuffs, and I'm going to let you hear my take on acidic earmuffs. Well, my self-deprecating side wants to thank you for sitting through that. Um, And my low self-esteem wants to tell you that it's not my best work. But I'm not going to say that, even though I just did. 
because it was an exercise, and I think that it's really useful to try these out. So go check out our Facebook group, Pod Mod Patch Challenge. And if you're not on Facebook, just throw a throw a hashtag Pod Mod Patch Patch Challenge. Um, if you're feeling particularly saucy, send me yours, and maybe I'll play it on one of the episodes. And yeah, let's let's get going on this. It's it's great great exercise to get to know your modular setup. All right. This is the longest intro to date. And I apologize for that. If you hate it, let me know. If you love it, let me know. Um, or don't, I don't know. We're, we're going to get into our talk with Ross fish from Moffin's Eve modular. I do have to warn you that uh, he was recording in a really big basement, a very cavernous basement. So there it's, it's, it's got a little bit of a, there's kind of an echo. You can hear that he's in a, a large like stone room. Um, but other than that, we had a really great talk. So thanks for listening. How would you get started from musician into maker or, or what was, what was that journey and when, what, what made you want to start building? Uh, so I was in school and, uh, I was doing a lot of sound art stuff and one of my professors, Matt Akers, who was originally in, like when Moffin Zeef was making music, it was me and Matt Akers. Mm-hmm. And he uh, got me into modular synths, and I started playing with those and got really interested in them. And then I kind of stopped making sound art and kept playing with those. And then eventually I was like, well, it would be cool if I could make these. And uh, started with uh, like Nicholas Collins stuff and some other lo fi easy circuits. And. Um, Really, the way everything really started was I, um, it's kind of a weird story, but I saw that Lars from LZX was moving from Texas to Portland to work at Dark Place. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just blindly sent him an email and I was like, you want to like help me do this thing or whatever? And he was like, sure, I'll teach you everything. And he just (laughs) did. So (laughs) then I uh, moved here. And, you know, him and a bunch of other awesome local people, you know, all the crew at Dark Place and Josh and Anna and obviously Ben, um, you know, everybody taught me a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, now I'm here doing this. It's kind of, it was was weird. It kind of all happened really fast. Yeah. That's crazy that you just kind of, just kind of did a Hail Mary email like oh, i hope this works and it, it totally well, did <laughs> it was it was way more benign than that it was yeah i, I, I just like sent me an email i was like well what do you guys do and um like that was basically it and lars was just like here you know like <laughs> here's how to make a module like to, here's the thing that you're working on and you know show me a prototype and a schematic and you know he kind of coached me through the basics and like i'm very much not an engineer at all mm-hmm. um and kind of have piecemeal information. Um, yeah. And that kind of just be pretty common with a lot of builders. I've noticed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I just ask people a lot of questions and you know, there's massive gaps in my knowledge and I'm sure my circuits could be way better, but for me, it's kind of more about, um, just what they sound like and you know, they don't blow up or catch fire <laughs> and they'll, they'll stay working for a long time cause they're built well, you know, construction's important to me. Yeah. So, you know, I may not have the most efficient CV scalar buffer or whatever, but you know, here's a $130 drum module and you can, yeah. 
Well, that's yeah. that's that's actually kind of what I was noticing last night. And it's funny that you mentioned you're not an engineer because that was one of the first things I thought when I was messing around with uh, the muskrat last night. I was I was just yeah. really impressed with how responsive and uh, and how how much just m- momentum and movement you can get out of your CV inputs Thanks. and the knobs. So I was, <laughs> yeah. It's it seems like it's very just very. Um, not not only well designed, but it seems very. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm blanking. Uh, deliberate. Like. Thank you. See. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, so that was uh, muskrat came about from MSG actually, which originally started. That was a um, a DIY kit for the synth library in Portland. Okay. And they hosted a two day workshop. It was super cool. A bunch of people came out, and then I had some kits left over, and I built some. And then when they went away, um, I sort of, I had this weird opportunity where I wanted to start working with guitar pedal enclosures, and I figured that that would be a good circuit to put in a guitar pedal enclosure, and that's how that came about, why it's like back now in a white case. But anyway, I had this MSG, which was this um, small desktop thing, and it was just meant for me to play with the ATtiny85, which is the chip in uh, Muskrat and Dial-Up and MSG. And, you know, it's small and cheap and has a lot of limitations. And I just wanted to try to, like, push that chip as far as I could, you know, um, try to get as much sound of it as I was capable of. And uh, then, you know, people started asking, like, oh, could you have CV inputs or whatever? And I figured, like, it would make sense to just make it a module um, and, and put an envelope on it and a VCA, and now it's a drum module. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> well um, I was noticing you could kind of <clears throat> I don't I don't know if it's technically like 1 volt per octave stuff but it it seems like you can you can plug a sequence in it and get somewhat melodic stuff. I mean it, it's definitely very Yeah, uh, not not really scratchy, no. but <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not 1 volt per octave, you know. None of my yeah. stuff is. Uh-huh. And for me it's like the whole objective with making these modules is I had this idea of making like this cool broken drum machine so part of that for me is like it shouldn't track and make melodies and stuff and you should Mm -hmm. have to like I love the idea of like tuning every drum by ear and getting like slight differences and I do a lot of stuff where it's like I'll do one thing tuned up a fifth and an octave or a third or something and I just kind of do it by ear and I I like music where it's like sort of a a droney thing and all these different pieces are like singing different parts of that Mm-hmm. drone mm-hmm. you know so i don't know it's for me it's like i didn't i didn't want to make this uh like it was never a goal of mine to make this like like useful or um uh, i don't know like dance oriented heavy bass kind of thing because uh, i feel like that's already out there and people are doing that really well already Mm-hmm. And I also am probably not even capable of doing that, like, engineer-wise. <laughs> like, let's get real here. Yeah. That's, like, really hard shit. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of respect for people who really know what they're talking about. Um, so props to them. So for me, it was like, what could I bring to the table? And I'm like, well, why don't I be, like, the weirdo art school guy with the broken drum machine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And. And that's kind of just like where it's at and it does what it can do. And I think the limitations of it sort of, uh, force you into using it in certain ways and stuff like, you know, people always talk about those like old, um, push button, uh, 
pre-sequence drum machines and like the things you can do where you like hold down four different buttons at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's like an extremely simple hardware limitation thing that has sprouted really interesting and cool results, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause I, uh, I have a really hard time lately. Like I have a massive creative block and I can't really sit down and like write music and be like, Oh yeah, I want to be like, boom, check, boom, boom, check. Like, yeah, that's the groove I'm looking for. And like, I kind of want to like coax it out of the machine in a weird way. That's, you know? yeah, that's, that's kind of how I've been. That's how I've approached, um, electronic music for like the last five years. And I think that was what was attractive to me about the muskrat at first was, I think I could kind of treat it as a, a, a piece of marble that I could maybe chisel something out of. And cool. I've said this about other modules, but I feel like it would, I can't wait to try it. It's, I think it's going to pair really nicely with the, the Basimilis Eteritas. I feel like yeah, those definitely. two together could be a real uh, powerhouse percussively. So. Yeah. The noise engineering stuff is incredible. Yeah. Um, that was, it's I, amazing. Um, I want to go back a little bit. So, you're not, you weren't an engineer and you, you were in art school for, for sound design. Is that what I'm gathering? Yeah. And the program was, uh, geared towards doing like film audio. Okay. Um, so I learned a lot about that in school, but I, I very quickly, like by like sophomore year, wasn't really interested in it. And I started doing, um, like max MSP stuff and Arduino okay. stuff. I was doing these like interactive sound art installation things. Um, and it was really fun because they were just in Savannah in these small spaces. And um, yeah, that's kind of how everything got started because it was like I was working with Max MSP and then I was like, well, what if I could plug in things from the real world, like physical objects into Max MSP? And that's how I learned about Arduino. And then I was like, well, what if I, instead of bringing a, a laptop and an Arduino to a gallery, which is a pain in the ass and expensive and scary in <laughs> the areas of Savannah that had art galleries. Um, and uh, I was like, what if you could just have a box that does it? And then that, that's sort of how I got interested more in, into Teensy and Arduino of these like standalone creative devices. And then that hand in hand with the modular synth thing kind of made sense. But, you know, lately I've been thinking a lot about that part of it, of just making standalone things, not even standalone instruments, like even art pieces or something. Like there's something appealing to me of uh, like going back to that concept of just making things and not necessarily contextualizing them into like this is a module or this is an effects pedal or like, um, is that kind of like yeah. what Stargazer is? Yeah, you know, that like straddles the line of like art object and instrument to me. <laughs> uh huh. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no shortage like of weirdos in this world, though. So, yeah. So, I, I don't know. Maybe things will get even stranger from here. Like, I don't even, like, lately I've been thinking, like, why does it even have to be limited to instruments? Yeah. You know, so who knows? Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what you come up with. Um, so you're, are you from Savannah, Georgia? Is that where no, you're going to I'm, school? Or? I'm a shit stain from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is all just like a huge disguise. This like elaborate <laughs> bullshit. Like, oh yeah, I was living in the swamp in Savannah and then went west. Like, it's all up front. <laughs> this bullshit. 
<laughs> I'm just a I'm just a fucking Jew from the suburbs. <laughs> Let's get real. Oh, you heard it here, folks. Um, so, <laughs> so um, I actually had, I'd, I'd heard of Dark Place, um, and I and I kind of actually talked to someone about Dark Place yesterday while I was in Portland, and it seems like it's kind of is that something we can elaborate on, or is it kind of a secret? It's, no, no, there's nothing secret about it. Um, okay. So I worked there for a little bit, um, and then you know now I'm kind of doing my own thing now, and um, it's really cool. It's like sort of like a record label for modules. I guess that's the best way of explaining it. It's like a family of manufacturers that um, uses well, not uses, works with Dark Place to put stuff out. So a designer will come to them, and you know they'll do the the building part of it and getting it to stores, which is pretty neat. Um, yeah, so it's like a collaborative sort of thing. That's pretty cool. I could see that being really useful because a lot of, you know, a lot of these modular companies are literally one person. So if they're trying to do, yeah. you know, support I mean, and, and all beta was, testing. Yeah, it was incredibly helpful working with them uh, just getting started, you know, because it's mm -hmm. like the first few things I did with them. They got them into the hands of a lot of different people. And, you know, it was really cool seeing that and doing that. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting adventure so far. Right on. And, uh, you know, now I'm, we're st I'm, I'm still working with them. They're doing the modules, but, you know, now I'm starting to do standalone stuff in-house. And it's pretty neat having sort of both of those going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's cool. Yeah. Um, so I'd I'd like to go through. Um, we don't have to go through all of them, or we can. Um, but just maybe a couple of your of your products, and just uh, yeah. You know, we, so, we talked about the muskrat for sure. Um, yeah. So like I was saying before, the goal was to make this broken weird drum machine. So obviously, each of the modules plays a role in that. So mm -hmm. uh, the sequencing is all. Uh, division-based and sort of generative. So it's this idea that you can like dial in what you want and then sort of modulate around it. So okay. the core of that is three modules. That's like the sort of sequencer section. So those three modules are the count, um, mito, and deviant. Okay. So count is a master clock and it has a bunch of different controls that you would want for a master clock and a modular and a variety of outputs that are divided down from that. Um, after the count is Mito, which takes pulses from the count and divides them down with swing and the ability to change the gate length and CV all of the different divisions. Mm -hmm. And then the Deviant is uh, a random voltage generator that puts out bipolar voltages so you can uh, dial in the top and bottom range separately from one another and get small ranges of random that are in designated ranges, which is a really, for me, like Deviant sort of solidifies the whole idea here because a lot of what I used to do in Max MSP was random with like the low high sort of concept mm -hmm. where instead of just spraying random all over the place, you're getting small ranges of random. That's really like important that. for yeah. generative music to me. Um, and, and deliberate ranges, not, not arbitrary ones, you know? Yeah, that's something I've had a, 
kind of a <clears throat> hard time wrestling and figuring out, you know, because I use yeah. the, like the Woggle Bug. It's great, but, you know, I, I, I like that it's idea just, of taming it down. There's just different, uh, there's so many different tools you can use to do different stuff. You know, mm -hmm. just diff different things work really well for different tasks. And this particular thing was designed for this particular task. Now, the other thing, too, is the output of it partially because I'm a shitty engineer and partially because I thought it was a cool outcome and I should just stick with it, is the output of it is really noisy and has this burst of sort of pulse width modulation on the wave. So if you run it into um, an audio oscillator or something, it, it emits this cool noise into it. Oh, and cool. it, as you turn the slew up, it, it's a filter, so it filters out the noise and it adds more slew to the signal. So the cleaner it gets, the wigglier it gets. Okay. And that's sort of just a weird, strange character thing about it. And part of that circuit adds this weird sort of dip on the edge of the, the steps of the random. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to get these modulations on some modules um, where you can get in between certain values where you're in between two values and it'll sort of glitch back and forth between two values. Oh, whoa, um, okay. Yeah, so that, uh, in combination with the fact that, again, shitty engineering and sort of <laughs> just like deliberate stopping after a result, on all of my digital modules, which are pretty much everything except Cricut, um, the ADC inputs don't have any filtering uh, digitally or in hardware, so it allows for, you know, anytime there's like a stepped value where it's like if you're selecting 16 waveforms or, or uh, division amounts or something, because of the noise, um, it allows you to get those glitches. So it's sort of not bent by design, but like, uh, you know, those things to me are really important and cool. Because that's like when you're playing with circuit bent equipment or broken equipment or something, like it's those in-between like jumpy values and stuff like that that gives things a lot of character so mm -hmm. yeah mito mito has those shitty adcs and deviant has the shitty rc filter output and mixing two different kinds of shit into a new shit soup gives you really to me really interesting musical rhythms because at the end of the day the thing that's cool about all this is because you're clocking the deviant with the same clock source as the mito, and the mito is sampling on a per-step basis. It's not mm -hmm. doing multiplication. Mm -hmm. Everything you're doing is quantized, so it's musical. Mm -hmm. So it'll glitch, but it glitches in a in a very musical way because it glitches on time. So okay, um, yeah, I was actually messing with the mito yesterday at control voltage, and I was like, yeah. I, I was really really wanting to get a tempi, but I because I have an old Pamela's workout, but I'm almost thinking keeping the panel as workout and just getting the mito and that might be a little bit more what i'm looking for i don't i don't know again it's just different different strokes you know yeah I, i'd like the swing the fact that you can swing it is pretty fucking sweet thanks um, yeah yeah that's, that's kind of rare i feel like in the modular world yeah so that that type of swing you know that sequencer's made for like swinging polyrhythms like swinging glitchy polyrhythms so that's what it does. Mm -hmm. you know? Like, there's other clock dividers that are way better for giving you infinite clean divisions at megahertz frequency ranges. And there's clock dividers that are, you know, people people make extremely specific modules. So for me, again, this comes back to the sort of philosophy of everything. Rather than going with the really traditional approach, which I actually love, and it's how I learned synthesis, but the really sort of 
like lab oriented dofer style of like breaking up every utility into a separate block. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as I do love that and respect that, um, the things I make are catered to an extremely specific purpose, like a specific patch and a specific goal in mind. And, you know, some people might look at that as, uh, I don't know, restrictive or something, but for me, it's like setting up those boundaries are, um, liberating and it's like some decisions have already been made for me yeah um, I, I like that because i mean i, I think know. what attracts people to modular is is the whole open-endedness of it and and the every single piece is broken out but i think it is it's it's pretty fun sometimes to get to get something that like you said kind of makes some decisions for you and it i don't know you can you can still craft like carve something out of it that is you know maybe a little bit more your own voice like sure I, I don't think that everything, I think I could make a track with a, you know, with a muskrat and have it sound like one of my tracks, you know? So cool. Yeah. I mean, it's the type of thing for me. It's like, it's also, it's like if you have this big system or whatever, it's like, well, I'm just like stick this thing in it, six HP and there you go. It's another sound, you know, mm-hmm. just like feed it a trigger. So I like that too. Um, cause you know, I used to have, I never really went crazy with your rock. I think at, at the most I had like two and a half rows. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hold on to my stuff for a really long time. Like I don't flip it constantly and I'm, I'm really not online anymore. Like looking at new stuff or looking at trades or anything, you know, like that, mm-hmm. it just got to a point with me where it was just like so saturated with just seeing just like, you know, thousands of used module listings and like <laughs> new, there's a new thing that came out a new thing that came out new, and i'm just like holy shit like every time i like turn on my computer there's like 300 notifications about <laughs> what happened in the past hour and a half in synthesizer <laughs> world so i just kind of like stopped looking at a lot of that stuff um anyway i i used to like i had a shared system that's how i got started which was really really incredible mm-hmm. and i used to like do everything broken out like that but then at, at a, a point for me i was like okay this is starting to get large and expensive and i want to like consolidate sounds into individual modules and stuff so that's also where the appeal for like drum modules came from okay so it's like a whole voice in a small package yeah i was gonna say you it know. seems like I never, I never put this together, but now, now, like, just having you describe everything, it seems like you, you're, not maybe not shooting for, but already have like a system, like. Yeah, that was the goal for a while, um, and I have this mixer that I made that never came out because it didn't really pass my own QC and engineering check. Uh-huh. As barbaric as that is, I do have. <laughs> I, I actually really truthfully and really seriously have a quality standard that I expect. Um, yeah both in design and construction, um, even though, you know, it may be shitty, it's deliberately shitty. Right. I make, I make damn well sure that it's not going to break, you know, it's Mm -hmm. very important to me. Um, but, um, where was I going with this? What were we just talking about? Uh, the system. Yeah. (laughs) The system. Yes, yes, yes. The, the mixer. Sorry. Uh, so the mixer, uh, the, the goal with the mixer and maybe, maybe I'll come back to it at some point, but it, it, it was supposed to be the loudest mixer that has ever been released in Eurorack. So my goal <laughs> was to make a mixer where the gain would swing all the way to the rails. Okay. Um, all the way to 24 volts peak to peak, like 12 volts on both sides. Uh-huh. Um, and 
naturally, that's a horrible idea. That's just a terrible idea. I mean, it's a funny and, and awesome idea, <laughs> but there was a point where the feature set that I wanted, like I, I was integrating these mutes and uh, there was just a lot of bleed on this one channel to the point that it was unacceptable. Like it wasn't actually muting. And I'd gone through like five or six revisions and I, I kind of just put it on the shelf. But that would be the, the final piece of the puzzle that would tie what I believe to be the complete system together. And then truthfully, I don't really have the need or the desire to make any more Eurorack modules okay. once that's complete. Uh, and as I was saying before, kind of just moving on to new things and other things. And I like that idea of like, here's a series of modules that I did and like, there, that's it. Okay, um, I like that. Know. I'm yeah. I'm curious because this is something that's been coming up a lot with just private conversations and and some on the show. Um, but is kind of the are are we are we at peak saturation? Is is, is the market even something worth being in as a, a small builder? Or? I mean, we were at peak saturation like what like five years ago, six years ago. <laughs> you know, like. Uh -huh there's no reason for my company to exist at all. <laughs> like, seriously, man. I mean, like, look at all the incredible, like, there are insanely talented and incredible engineers that have done an exorbitant amount of shit before I even, like, scribbled my first thing on a napkin a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, there's people who've been doing this for, like, you know, 15, 20 years, some people 30-plus years, like... Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I believe that like after the huge sluggers like Harvest Man and like Make Noise and IntelliGel and Maleco and like all the all the early adopters, like everything that's happened since my own company included is sort of these just like breadcrumbs of <laughs> this cool thing that happened a while ago. And now, I, but I think those breadcrumbs are, are you know what what makes uh, you know all these really unique and funky salads taste good. Maybe. You know? Yeah. I mean for me the really inspiring thing and the thing that I've I've sort of kept in mind when I got into it cuz I identified, you know, like when I was starting prototyping that was only 3 years ago. That was in 2015 and mm -hmm. I remember as I was starting it like talking with my with Matt Akers, my professor, and like other people, I was like, this is already like way too late in the game to even start, you know? Like <laughs> by 2015, it was like already, like it didn't make any sense to, to have a synth company at all. And it doesn't make any more sense now, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? But, yeah. Uh, it, it, for me, the inspiring thing was like participating in this, because I do believe the Eurorack boom and wave is, is very much on its way down. Like, the peak happened, and, and I believe, you know, it's kind of going to just be uh, a slow and steady decline in, in terms of um, attention and popularity. I think that it's going to be around for a while, and companies are going to do well and sell stuff, but I, I think the really exciting thing is where all of these companies and these weird breadcrumbs and, like, even potentially someone like myself, like, what happens next, you know? There's always, because it's like the people who got into Eurorack and when Dofer first started and everything, they were like, oh shit, like what if we did this? And all these Eurorack people are like, well, you know, this is sort of like guitar pedals again. There's like all these people, like what other weird, crazy shit can we make? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been some really cool standalone instruments being made right now. That's uh, what I think that. is happening. That's yeah. what I see happening. I love that. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really neat and interesting. And I think it's a really good solution because Eurorack 
I mean, I understand because I make stuff. I understand why everything costs what it costs because that's what it has to cost for people to pay their bills and mm-hmm. keep things going. Like, and for a lot of people, that's at their own deficit still, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I understand that. It's a passion or whatever. But, you know, financially, taking all those ideas and consolidating them into a box, even with control voltage, um, you know, you can deliver a lot of shit to an end user for you know, a lower price comparatively if it was in Eurorack. Mm-hmm. Like these electron boxes or yep. even stuff like the phenol or like any 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 of these standalone instruments, limited or not limited, it doesn't matter. It's like if you were to try to do any of that stuff in Eurorack, it would probably be like five or six grand, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In like just like buffers, you know, like like how many bit boxes would that take? You know? Um <laughs> Which well, is, I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not knocking that at all. Like I, I no, yeah, it's just the truth. understand. It's just the financial reality of the mm-hmm. situation, you know? So, so that's why I think the standalone thing is really cool. Uh, cause you can still deliver an expensive and high quality product and it's still like not as expensive as Eurorack, you know, mm-hmm. with, with theoretically the ability to do a lot more or just different things, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, peak saturation, absolutely. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like I said before, like I'm trying to just like not uh, think about Eurorack specifically and trying to just think broader about everything. That's how um, I see the, that's, that's my vision of the, the future of whatever this sect of electronic music makers, you know, I think yeah. I, I picture people on stage with like maybe, uh, you know, like six U. And then yeah. a bunch of other boxes around them. I, I think there's enough yeah. useful stuff out there where you could distill a good rack down and have it still be super useful to have and have your standalone boxes and have them all kind of working together. Yeah. I mean, it's the sky's the limit now with what we have the capability to do and what technology we have. And, and for me, like the things I'm trying to make and focus on are not feature rich at all. And I like the idea of, of these smaller, weirder just sort of limited things to, to work with. Um, and I'm choosing to utilize the technology we have today to make those things. Well, uh, I think that's like a perfect yeah. segue into really diving into the stargazer. Unless you, yeah, unless sure. I don't want to interrupt if you're going somewhere else with that. No, that's <clears> kind of, that's kind of just how I feel about Eurorack in general. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not hating on it at all. I'm just not really interested in it anymore. I, I um, know some other builders that have said very similar things. Yeah, it's yep. just like, and I don't know. I kind of said all I have to say, you know. <laughs> it's like here they are. Here's these things. Like, yeah, I could keep making all these crazy, but like, yeah, that's you got the idea. There it is. Yeah. You know? Well, I think the 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 system is is a pretty cool idea. Like, so that's that's something I could still see. You're asking like, well, where's where's a place like where's where's Moff and Zeev's place in this? But as somebody who enjoys the the sonic aesthetic of your your drum modules and everything i i could see having your your drum system and then an electron box and a guitar or something and and i could see that being really useful so the next logical step for all of this and right now my r&d plate is completely clean and i'm kind of just in manufacturing mode right now like we're building some more msgs because we sold all those and Uh we got some stargazers in stock which is cool so I'm kind of just focusing on all that bullshit right now. Um, mm-hmm. But 
something that I keep kicking around and I've talked to a lot of people about and something that I'd like to explore and possibly do is a standalone drum machine and sort of just take all the some some of or all of the concepts from the modular and expand upon them uh, in a in a box. And that would be awesome. I think, yeah, I think that would be a really um, that would kind of just be the next logical step, I guess. So and I don't so know. I haven't started that, and that's going to take a long ass time to make. <laughs> yeah, so I have no idea. It, yeah. it also sounds like you like you you kind of like I have I have kind of a similar thing. I think is uh, I get super into something and it becomes kind of like this, like this passion. And then once, once that flames burnt out, I'm kind of like, I want to do the next thing and I don't give a shit about like, that could very well happen to this, uh, this podcast, you know, I could, um, yeah, I mean, and it sounds like that's kind of your thing. You're more into the art and, and inspiration. That, and, well, I, I mean, like for me, it's, it's just about, exploring and learning you know it's like everything like every project i do it's very important to me that i i I learn something like whether it's like a code thing i've never done before Mm -hmm. um or a a hardware thing i've never done or um uh, a mechanical engineering thing like an enclosure like i just really want to like constantly be growing and learning and that's why i like the idea of like changing formats and stuff and yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I don't, I don't like the idea of being like, oh yeah, all the shit I made is terrible. I don't <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't really feel that extreme about anything. Actually, I think that's the most important. It's like I don't, I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I, I just want to keep making shit and just like make whatever I want to make at that point in time. And you know, I'm fortunate enough right now to have people that care and are, you know, buying it and mm-hmm. that we can talk about it on this podcast, which is pretty neat, and mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of just roll in that groove until that doesn't really work anymore, and, and just kind of see how that goes. I um, like it. That's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that seems to be a common philosophy within this world, and I think it's built into just the nature of... I, this, this might be a little bit of a reach and a bit heady, but like it's almost kind of like the the individual patch is almost kind of like a metaphor for the whole thing. Like it's, yeah. you do it, you do a thing and then the thing's over and you don't, you're not too, you know, it, it did its thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like, you already did it. So why are you still dwelling on it? You know, just like make, make the next thing or stop making stuff and take a vacation. Like, that sounds really nice too. To be honest with you. Yeah. I just that got sounds... back from four days of, uh, up in Bellingham. It was pretty great. It's wonderful. Yeah. Go to it's Bellingham, guys. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um I do want to I do want to pick your brain about the Stargazer a bit. It's Oh yeah. I, I don't I'm, even remember. Yeah, we started there and somehow we <laughs> I'm just totally yeah, flabbergasted by it. Yeah. It's a sound generator, synthesizer, multiple oscillators or um it's a drone box. A drone. So, box. you know, my vision for that was you know, someone in a metal band, uh, someone who wants to get into like experimental music or noise music or ambient music or any of that. And they like walk into a synth shop or they ask someone and they're just like, I don't understand any of this. I don't know what's going on. And I imagine Stargazer is like, well, if you have a pedal board or, you know, you know, spend $15 on a power supply, you can get this box and plug it into a speaker 
and any of the knobs that you turn are going to make the sound sound different. <laughs> um, and that's it. <laughs> and, and, you know, that was kind of my whole uh, thing for it. And like I said before about, like, straddling the line between art object and instrument, like, just wanted to make this thing that, like, looked cool and sounded cool and did one thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what it is. And um, the thing that's funny about it is I made it and I had such deliberate, like, uh, design requirements for it and, like, the parameters I wanted and everything. Like, I was really keen on that. And I made the thing and I was like, well, what am I going to do with this now? You know? (laughs) And it's really funny because I was like, I don't really know why I made this, like, for my own, (laughs) like... Not, I'm not saying it's useless at all, but uh-huh. like, I was like playing with it the other day, and I was like, "Why did I do this?" Like, I don't even <laughs> honestly like have a solid answer about that question that you didn't even ask. But oh, I, I asked myself that. that question the other day, and I don't know. <laughs> and you know, honestly, like I just think it's better to see what people do with it because that's like the whole point of all of this is like mm-hmm. I can think whatever I want and be as aggressive as I want about documentation and stomping my feet up and down about how I want people to use my stuff. But at the end of the day, like I'm going to go ahead and say that probably 80% of anyone who gets one of my things will probably like either get it once and like not read into where it came from or, Mm -hmm. uh, just like never like, they're just going to use it however the hell they want to use it. And that however idea they had. So it's interesting, like hearing what people do with this stuff. And um, with Stargazer specifically, like, um, I've seen some people integrate it into Eurorack, which is really funny to me. Yeah. Uh, but it's just really strange. Because um, to me, it was like a sort of like purposeful departure from Eurorack. Um, That's the way I perceived it. Um, yeah. And, not in, and again, not in like a, a stupid like art way of like manifesto. Um, <laughs> just... I don't know. No, I see. I, I feel like you've got to, like you've talked about a lot, just the very, the straddling the line and catering to multiple, you know, um, I don't know, audiences or whatever. But, yeah. Um, you know, that's the other really important thing. Cause when you, when you put a quarter inch Jack and a DC Jack, like I, I, I've really thought about this. It's really interesting. Like, so MSG is a great example. Okay. So MSG was originally like an open PCB. It was like a kit you know, and mm-hmm. people bought it for the workshop, people, like, whatever, they were like, oh, this cute kit, but musicians proper, as I see them, like, and when I say proper, I just mean anyone who's playing in a bar, or, like, playing often, uh-huh. nobody, nobody wanted to play with it, like, hobbyists would build it and stuff, and they'd play with it at home, which is cool, or play with it in their studio, but nobody wanted to play with it on the road, because it was exposed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like really dumb, obvious shit, but it's very important and interesting to me. <laughs> so the second you take the exact same circuit, it's literally the exact same circuit, and put it in a metal box, and it has the same power supply as your guitar pedal and the same output as your guitar pedal, suddenly it becomes uh, an extremely useful and accessible tool simply by putting it inside of a case. <laughs> like, it's incredible to me how... And, and I'm really serious about this. Like, it is funny and sort of like a weird, ironic thing, but it's like thinking about the format, like just the concept of the format and the way you deliver something. Like, 
how putting something in a box suddenly changes the entire context of the exact same circuit. Mm-hmm. And that same circuit and pretty much the same code is in the Muskrat module and the dial-up module and Jarmageddon. They're all, they're all uh, derivatives of the exact same thing over and over again. But suddenly, if you change the context by putting one knob on something or putting it in a jar or putting it in a box, like suddenly it becomes something completely different just based on the way you pick it up and what you choose to plug it into. Like, it's like, I, I got really tripped out the other day, like thinking about the dogma of like output jacks. It's like, <laughs> because they decided on eighth inch, that means all of these people are going to be influenced to use it differently rather than quarter inch. That's oh, an yeah. extremely simple, just subconscious, weird thing that humans do where it's like oh it's quarter inch like oh fuck okay i'm gonna plug it into my mackie mixer and i'm gonna sequence it with this midi thing or like oh i'm gonna plug it into my delay pedal and that's it you know whereas like if it's eighth inch it's like oh shit i'm gonna go integrate it into the modular or like i'm gonna play with it with this weird silent lombard desktop thing or like <laughs> like you you immediately change your whole perception of what the thing is capable of just on just based on like what output jack is presented to you that's, so yeah that i think that even crosses over into format for me like yeah i, I feel i am i am guilty i mean it's really obvious myself. shit this mm-hmm. isn't like deep philosophical thought <laughs> you know like <laughs> well it is something i've put a lot of thought into because i did i did have um i had a, a no coast which i think is an amazing piece of gear and it's it's yeah. a lot of fun and it interfaces awesome it's basically just like a bunch of modules put into a box but i I didn't. I found myself not using it because it wasn't on the rack, and yeah. and I, it wasn't this weird purist. It's got to be racked. I was actually kind of getting no. annoyed with myself. Like, why don't you use that? It's right fucking there. And yeah, yeah there's this weird, this weird thing. Like, well, I, well no. now it's something different. It's like if an Ocoast was a module, I don't think it would achieve the same goals that it's achieved. Like the fact that right. it's this slim desktop, easily accessible, great for education type of thing is why it's as successful as it is. You know, mm-hmm. regardless, like, it could sound terrible and have horrible features, and, and I think it would still be just as popular. And it doesn't. It sounds great and has great features. Yeah. Um, but I think the focus of that instrument isn't so much about even the, uh, the sound of it. I think it's more about the experience of, of using control voltage. And for yep. some people, it was the first time they did that at all. Mm-hmm. And I think it achieves that way better than the Mother 32 which introduces people to patching and stuff, but uh, I feel like the Ocos is a little more uh, exploratory and, um, yeah, I guess slightly more experimental. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think it. I know there's a there's a very like it's it's totally divided on on make noises panel design, but I think I think once you understand each each you know, module or the no coast panel, it, it kind of guides you in a way that's a little, it's almost like a choose your own adventure map or something. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's pretty useful. Um, but yeah, I could, I could go off on make noise all day. Um, (laughs) so with the, with the stargazer or so I'm, I I mean, we don't have to go too much into it. I'm just curious, like a a couple oscillators, some LFOs, is it just kind of like a bunch of stuff running into it's detuned. The whole core of it is basically detuned wavetables, and okay. you've got some sample rate and bit rate reduction, which like adds all the crunch, and then some low pass filters to carve it away, and okay. you can animate the filters. And uh, it's also a VCA to change the volume of it, so okay. you can do tremolo stuff. 
and it's kind of just made to like I tell people it's like the Blade Runner box, like the new <laughs> the new the new one, not the uh-huh. other one. Yeah, just like you know, like someone like it's really obnoxious, but someone was like, well, what does it do? And I'm just like, well, it's like. Uh, and honestly i shit you not if you just sampled that and a beat it with a stargazer you could save all your money right there (laughs) (laughs) oh shit it's the same thing do you have one do you have one uh on hand Hooked I up do, by yeah, chance? I do. Um, I, yeah, I can grab one. Hold on. Yeah, we'll, let's, we'll let's, it. Yeah, Hold let's A B it. Yeah, let's A B it. Good God. Where the fuck is this thing? <laughs> I have some uh, some horrible news. Oh no! Um, I I I can hook it up, but then we're gonna lose the reverb. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh, because you have to leave the the big basement to use it. Is that why? Yeah. Yeah. So hold on a sec. I have to go to my bedroom. <laughs> okay. uncanny yeah <laughs> I don't, uh, dude that thing yeah. sounds pretty cool and i, I, I imagine with like there's got to be let me, over let me 20 knobs on it hold on, hold on a sec okay okay sorry i want some spooky my bedroom's really small <laughs> you were saying <laughs> um how many knobs are on that thing 22 22 so you can get some i mean it seems like the sky's the limit on the different types of sounds. Uh, I don't know about that. I, no. I wouldn't say the sky's the limit. I think it, uh, um, it has a wide palette of sounds, but it has a very specific palette of sounds. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, it's meant to do all this stuff. So all that like heterodyning and beating is uh, detuning to oscillators. So I'll play with that so you can hear it. All that shit. Okay. And if you get it to short ranges, you get really beautiful stuff like this. This like natural sort of uh, 
arrhythmic sort of beating. And the closer you get to unison. So that's sort of the core principle of it, is these two wavetables beating against each other. Okay. Uh, and then you can filter that with an LFO, and then memory uh, reduction. We'll get some LFO action happening on the first filter. Uh, bit depth and a second filter. So that's the output. Right okay. There. And that goes into a tremolo, basically. Oh, it's an ECA with all the different LFO wave shapes. So we use something like this. Yeah, and then the, the whole thing goes into a distortion. Oh shit, outlet. okay. So if you, yeah, if you turn the gain down, you can actually get really clean stuff, so check this out. You actually get really, really clean stuff. Yeah, that sounds awesome. But then, yeah, check this out. <laughs> Any of the guys from Sun? No. I feel like Sun could um, use that. <laughs> sure, yeah. Tell them to hit me up. Hey, Sun. You heard it. Right you heard it here, itch. Sun. Yeah, Sun. Damn, Sun. Sun, sun O, ellipses, ellipses, or whatever the fuck that is. No, that that uh that thing sounds fucking rad, and I could I could definitely see it being used uh in in a variety of of applications like like a metal band would be super cool. Um, yeah, that was sort of the, uh, the the that was the first uh, definitely the first thing that came to mind was metal bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hold on, I'm coming downstairs now. Okay. Okay, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> All right, I'm back in my shop. Okay, sweet. Um, shit, man. Um, let's see, what are we at for time? Oh shit, we're doing really well. Um, is there anything else that uh, that we haven't covered that you feel like you've got to you've got to get out? Um, I don't know. I, I yeah, maybe one thing. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed uh, that that I find interesting and weird. Uh, I noticed that in the synth community, the first thing that people say to you the second you finish something like this or a demo, or even just catching up with you on the street, the first thing they always say is, what's next? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I understand where it comes from, you know, because people are interested and excited, but it's also a really interesting... I, I, something about that really bugs me, because it's like, well, what about all the things that just happened? Like, mm -hmm. can't we look at that first? Before yeah. we say, like, what's next? And it's like, aren't you happy with the rack you got? Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have stuff you like already? You uh -huh. know? Like, I, I feel like it would be more interesting to spark up conversation about maybe things you've already done. or I don't, I don't know. I, I just, that, that's a thing that I see a lot that, that really, uh, I, it's just weird to me. It's like a weird social thing you, that I notice. You know what? I've, I, 
I have been guilty of that on this show, and I will say that, yeah. and, and I, I don't know why, but I think you kind of maybe just made it make more sense in my head. It always did feel a little weird, and it, it yeah. felt forced, especially, like, I don't like to go to, like, interviewee. I kind of like to just more sure. have a conversation, but sure. I'm still trying to figure it out and everything. So, like, especially talking to a maker, it almost feels like, you. it feels like a... a like almost like it would be impolite not to ask, but I see, yeah, but I, 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 I it could, it could also be the opposite. It could be like, like exactly I mean, what you said. I'm, I'm just speaking on behalf of myself here. You know? mm-hmm. not, no, I'm but I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I see where you're coming yeah, from. It's just, it's just an interesting, I'm not even sure it's negative. It's just interesting to me that it's like, people are so, it's like Instagram culture. It's just like, what's next? Like, ah, give me what's next? What's mm-hmm. next? Like, yeah. I know? see it. There's definitely like an arc to the, 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 the person that gets into modular. I, I mean, I've been, th- I'm going through it and I've seen other people go through it in various stages. And it's like you said earlier, you know, you, you're not online looking anymore at everything and, and flipping all your gear constantly. And like, no, that's I'm all I did making, forever. I'm online making memes every 10 minutes <laughs> and being an idiot. Well, and, and taking your, uh, your marketing and sponsorship campaigns very seriously as well. Dude, man, I'm going through some, some, I, I'm just like pissed because Guyaki only sent me ten coupons, and I fucking busted ass. I put so much effort into trying to get them as a corporate sponsor to the point that like it was pissing my girlfriend off. <laughs> like she was like, "Shut the fuck up about yerba mate, please! Like, please, just shut the fuck up." And I'd be like. All right, but you'll um, see. You know that was the thing for like two weeks. I was like, I fucking bet if I tried hard enough, I bet if any human being. This is now a call to action. I wasn't mm-hmm. getting riled up before, but now I'm getting riled up now that we're talking about corporate sponsorship. <laughs> if any human out there listening to this wants a corporate sponsor and wants to become an influencer, I have no experience in that field and I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. But if you work hard enough, God damn it, you can get 10 free coupons for drinks <laughs> delivered direct to your mailbox just by being a fucking idiot on Instagram. <laughs> I am living proof, God damn it. Dude, they no. had nothing to do with that. They probably <laughs> at this point hate me. And if they had the opportunity to send me a cease and desist, I think they should. <laughs> But, like, that was, like, literally a very simple and dumb experiment that all of you can now, just any beverage company, just harass them on the internet relentlessly and tag them in anything, and eventually they'll send you some free shit. And then they'll cease communication with you entirely when you start begging them to go in on a sponsorship deal where they make a Guyaki Yerba Mate Stargazer edition <laughs> that they didn't even pick up on or want to do. And I sent them like four emails about it. And I was like, you have no idea how badly I want to put your logo on this box. <laughs> and they just, they don't care. And as they shouldn't. Like, who the fuck am I? I am just some guy on the internet, you know? Like, I am uh. not... Yeah. So uh, you but you know two too. people, at least two people had like a meeting. They're like, well, he uh, he does have yeah. like a presence and he does own a company. Like, well, what should we do yeah. about it? Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> just send him some coupons. Get him the fuck off the thread. Using up all my work time, Susan. Got server wasted server space on this conversation. Damn it. Like, 
<laughs> I will oh, say, dude. I imagine like HQ, like 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 the CEO, like shoots up at two in the morning. He's like, "God fucking damn it, Moffin's Eve again. Here we go again. What does this have to do with yerba mate culture? This is not rejuvenating." Dude, I, I swear, there like for that like two weeks, I was just like, I was going to your Instagram like at least once a day, being like, "Is there a new fucking what what? How's the Giyaki thing?" Uh, it was just cracking me up, dude. Thanks. I'm uh, glad you uh, had. The, I'm glad you shared that experience with me. That was a very meaningful uh, endeavor and has made an impression on me. And I'm, I'm I'd like I'd like to try to get actual corporate sponsorship. Um, so if anyone is listening, I want, I want it. I want a cigarette boat covered in stickers, <laughs> like so fucking badly. I want to just ride a cigarette boat covered in stickers into the sunset, just like paid for entirely by sports drink companies. I talk about this shit all the time. Anybody who hangs out with me will be like, oh, he's talking about the fucking speedboat again. I'm like dead. I'm dead serious, man. That's really like if I could go anywhere with any of this, it would be just a uh, brand influencer sponsor, uh, <laughs> like corporate logos tattooed on my body. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Just just full Monty. Oh if man. Given the chance, I would. I would. And yeah. I would take it as I'd be a casualty in the name of performance art. I would absolutely <laughs> do it. I don't give a fuck. Fine. I think you should still. I think you should just keep working, uh, Giyaki, and we could have uh, all our listeners They're just like start me, tagging. They're done. They're just <laughs> done with me. And you know what's fucked up about it and really funny is they have been nothing but nice to me. You know, uh-huh. and I was just being a jerk on the internet and relentlessly tagging them. And ironically, like I definitely sold at least probably like four cases of mate just through. Like, people, like, showing me videos. I still get videos. It's bizarre to me, but, like, people send me videos of themselves drinking yerba mate, and they're like, LOL. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> so you actually did. You did the thing in real by life. Accident. By accident. Like, by, by, like, people see yerba mate now. And, you know, maybe this was what it was all along. Maybe it was, like, a weird, like, Gorilla subliminal marketing campaign, but it's like people see mate and they think muffins Eve. Like there are actually <laughs> some people who are like, you're a mate, muffins Eve, I need noise synthesizers. Like, I'm going to go home and research noise synthesizers. Like, oh, here, but, like it works. How I many people like clicked buy or like proceed to check out? Probably zero. Wild. I don't think I've sold, no, nobody buys the synthesizers, but they definitely bought the mate and definitely like talked about it on the internet. You know? Oh, fuck. Which is like really weird. I don't know. Dude, that's interesting though. I think Instagram in that regard is pretty, pretty dope. Like, I love the idea of Instagram being a, a medium of performance now. Like, that mm-hmm. is like the funniest and most awesome 2018 shit I have ever heard of. It's like you have, <laughs> you have this open soapbox and you can stand on a corner and be a fucking idiot at the top of your lungs and people are like oh my god like i love watching these videos while i'm pooping every morning like i love like i love flipping through my phone and seeing all these photos of your cactuses in your backyard you know like like it's insane to me i love instagram it's bizarre i hated it when it started and i hated social media and i was just like angsty beaver like like, oh man, iPhones are so dumb and like social media is so dumb. 
And they are, and it is, but at the same time, they're not. It's a fucking computer in the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. And you have these I'm awesome w- things like Instagram, just like loaded with like moth memes now, <laughs> and just like dumb, like dumb shit at lightning speed, you know? <laughs> Updated every 10 seconds. Like, that is, we are living in an amazing time to be alive. Like, there's a lot of really fucked up shit going on in the world, mm-hmm. and I'm not dismissing any of that. But at the same time, we also have, like, moth memes trending right now, <laughs> which is, like, an awesome and important thing to identify. Like, there's always going to be I'm not familiar some... with the moth memes. Oh, oh, the moth... Dude, come on. Just type in moth meme. Okay. You'll find it. <laughs> it's a thing this week. It'll be... Anyone listening to this episode in three weeks is going to have no fucking clue what we're talking about. Yeah, that's like, the crazy like, what? thing. What meme? What? Yeah. What? <laughs> you know? Oh, it, shit. It doesn't matter. So well, do you do you have your uh, do you have your modular stuff hooked up? Do you want to do the the yeah, random drawing and patch? Sweet. Yeah, sure. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope moth comes out of the noun envelope. Oh. Yeah. So sometimes these are completely nonsensical, uh, mm-hmm. and this is one of those cases. Um, you got corrupt waffle. Corrupt waffle. I mm-hmm. like that. That's easy. <laughs> Sweet. So is, is the whole purpose here hearing all the warts as, as you patch through it, or it's like you're, you're, you're showing off an end result at the end of everything? Showing, yeah. So what I do is I'll give you 15 minutes. Uh, we mm-hmm. can stay on the line, or we could hang up, and you can call back. And then uh, can I can I hang up, smoke weed, set up a patch, and call back, or is that too much absolutely. time? Absolutely. 100%. OK. OK. All right. Uh, in honor of today's guest, I am going to use some Moth and Zeef modules to showcase uh, some recovery effects. Um, right now, I've just got the Peaks Kick and Snare, real simple. Um, I'm using that from the Mido, which is uh, it's like a clock. It's a it's a it's a clock divider, and I think it does some Euclidean stuff. But it's it's uh, it's one of the most fun clock dividers I've used, and I'm going to show you why here in a moment. Um, so I'm using uh, I'm using the Mido from Moffenzief to go into the uh, Muskrat from Moffenzief, which is a really crazy uh, drum module. So you can hear some pretty nasty stuff. Um, I'm just gonna take all the CV out of it really quick. So right now, that's just being triggered by the Mido. I can turn the so it's got a VCA in there. Uh, there's a scratch knob, a dig knob, <laughs> and a chew knob. All right, let's see if I can remember what uh, pieces of modulation I was using for what. So I'm going to put uh, a trigger from the Mido into the scratch, and I've got a um, an envelope from the Moleco 80 LFO. I'm going to put that into, is it Dig I was doing? That sounds cool. And then um, channel one from Maths, I'm going to put into the, I'm not sure what the input's called, but it's got a little rat by it. Now if I turn that tail up. Now what I really like about the muskrat is it's got, um, it's got like a swing function to it. (laughs) 
And then there's a width of the, uh, you can increase the width of the gates that you're sending out. So that's pretty fun. Um, now let's bring uh, that muskrat into the uh, bad comrade from uh, recovery effects. And now I'm using the uh, the Mido to trigger the CV in for the mad, bad comrade. And for good measure, I'm just going to bring that Peaks bass drum into uh, the cutting room floor, which uh, the CV from that is being modulated by channel 4 of Nats. Bring that swing back up. So you can hear that bad comrade doing some crazy shit with a Mido when I turn the, the tail down on the muskrat. You can hear the muskrat just kind of clicking along, and the bad comrade is holding that, that glitchy delay uh, in time with the, the trigger that I've got coming up of Mido into its CV. Does that make sense? for listening and go check out recoveryeffects.com aisynthesis.com and uh, moffinzeekmodular.com Hey, hey, you ready? Yep. So you got a corrupt waffle for us. Do you want to talk corrupt about waffle. it first or do you want to play it first? Um, I'm going to let the music speak for itself. Sweet. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, here we go. Corrupt Waffle.
Corrupt Waffle. United States. I am Pura Waffle. My name is Donald Trump. I am Pura Waffle.
And that's my song, guys. Thanks for uh, listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it's been a pleasure pleasure talking with you. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on. And um, yeah, if anybody wants to go check out your stuff, uh, is it moffinzeef.com or moffinzeefmodular.com? Moffinzeef Modular, yeah. Right on. <laughs> what an episode. Uh, thanks. Uh, to Ross for coming on the show. Uh, go check out moffinzeefmodular.com. Really cool devices, not just modules. Um, also, don't forget October 27th, we got Modular Nights in Ballard at Substation. That is uh, it's at 4 p.m. till 7.30. And then October 28th, Patchworks presents Knobs and Shit at the Melrose Market. And that is from 1 to 6 p.m. I will be at both, and I hope to see you there. Don't forget about our sponsors, Recovery Effects and AI Synthesis, and patreon.com forward slash Modcast if you would like to uh, help keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod. Until next week. <laughs>